Now, we begin a new series today, and just to give you a little background to where we're going, our mission is to help more people more often say yes to God, and we have four critical areas that we focus on. Number one is to help connect seekers to the Lord. We want you to know Jesus as Savior and be connected to this local body called the church. That is his family. That's who God does his work in the world through. We want to grow believers. We want you to understand God's word, to know who he is and what his will is for our lives, to learn to have a deeper faith in God and a deeper love for other people. We want to strengthen the family. We want to learn how to bring God's truth into our household because if it doesn't play at home, it probably isn't playing anywhere else. Those that are closest to us see us and see how authentic our faith is. And we want to make sure that the faith that we have is really being passed on to the next generation in a confident way. And then the fourth critical success factor that we have is impacting communities. We are here to make a difference in the world, um, in our neighborhoods, in our community, in our nation, and the broader world. And so we bring Jesus to others so then we can bring others to Jesus. What that means is sometimes we make the first contact with other people through the love expressed, and that touch gives us an opportunity then to teach. Who causes us to do that? Who inspires us to give to them? And it's Jesus. But sometimes you have to open that door through um, our generosity. That's why during this month of Thanksgiving, we always do this as a year, as a church. We've done it for several years. We start focusing outside on this impacting communities. How can we make a difference? Operation Christmas Child, boxes of, of, of stuff, little shoe boxes filled with goodies, goes to children in third world countries that you and I maybe will never, ever meet, but to bless them. The Thanksgiving baskets go to families within our own community that live near us to show that we care for people outside of ourselves. That's just a natural thing. And so we're focusing this whole month on this idea of generosity because we are blessed people. Wouldn't Wouldn't you agree? We are very blessed people. I mean, some of you think like compared to your neighbors, compared to other people, or compared to Donald Trump, or compared to others, you're not that rich. But I'm telling you, compared to even our parents and grandparents, I mean, just listen to this. Because this is true with my own parents and grandparents. We have, we, we've had, for our whole marriage, two cars, home air conditioning, automatic dishwasher, microwave ovens, two or more bathrooms in our house. I grew up in a home with six kids, mom and dad in one bathroom. Cable or satellite TV, computers, and this little amazing device that, that, that allows me to do my banking to do photography, to check the weather, to pay bills. I mean, do all kinds of things that our parents and grandparents never had growing up. We're pretty wealthy, don't you think? And if you compare us with people in South America and Africa in particular, where there's millions of people who live on less than $10,000 a year, we are very wealthy. And so that's why we look every year to say, how can we be generous? A few months ago, my wife gave our grandson a bowl of popcorn. And as he reached down and took those very puffed-up kernels of popcorn, he, he gave me the first one. And of course, as Grandpa, I just gobbled it up. I mean, I gobbled it up with noise. like, <laughs> And he giggled and laughed, and so he picked up another one, and he fed me another one. And I did the same thing. And so he smiled, grabbed another. I mean, this went on for several minutes until I was sick of popcorn. <laughs> but here's what impressed me. He took more joy in feeding me popcorn than eating it himself. I just want to ask you, what if we would find more joy in giving to our Father or Heavenly Father than we took in enjoying the stuff that He gives us? What if we could find that the delight of putting a smile on His face would surpass any other joy in our lives? 
I mean, do you think about that when you give or has giving become like giving to church or giving to charities become kind of mechanical? It, it, it can be easily like paying another bill. Like, here we go, there's a water bill, um, there's, you, there's a satellite bill, and there's the church bill, and, there's, and, and, we, and we forget the fact that there is a God who has blessed us, who's looking at us. And I just want to ask you this. When you give, does it put a smile on your Father's face? And do you feel a joy when you give to your Father? My hope for you as we go through this series called Acceptable, that, that you'd give gifts that would be acceptable to Him, that would put joy on His face. And today we're going to talk about the audience, because the audience, who you give to, does matter. So I'm going to ask you to do this. I know sometimes giving can be a sensitive issue because we hold our stuff tight, but I'm going to ask you to do this, that you'd be willing to say, God, I'm going to, I'm going to lay my stuff before you because the hands that are open to give are the same hands that are open to receive. And so I want to learn to give better so I can receive better. So Jesus, we come before you right now asking you to, to give truth to us, to speak to us through your word, to fill our hearts and minds with maybe things we don't hear from our culture Uh, But things we hear from you that resonate deep within, guide us through your scriptures to a place where we truly can put a smile on your face through our generosity. In Jesus' name, amen. When when I bring up the word generous, who comes to mind? If you think of someone in your life that was generous, who comes to mind? For me, it is my mother. My mother lives on less than uh, about $800 a a month. She gets Social Security. She lives a very simple lifestyle. And yet, my mother sends birthday cards to these multiple grandkids, and in every birthday card, she tucks a $5 bill. Now, it's not a lot. I know it's not a lot. But when, when you're making very little money, it's very significant. When, when I go back on vacation and she invites the whole family to go out to a restaurant to eat, she's the one who then asks for the check. And we have to wrestle it away from my mother to pay. I mean, all of us around the table have more money than my mother, and yet she's the one who says, I want the tab. And we have to actually scold our mom. Quit being so generous. I mean, that's a great thing to be criticized for, isn't it? You're just way too generous. I would love to have that criticism, wouldn't you? You you just give too much. See, generosity is evidence of a transformed life. It is the evidence that something huge has happened because in our culture, generosity uh, goes against the grain of the accumulation. Now, in... In the Bible, there are many stories about people whose lives were transformed, but I love the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. In biblical times, they went around, they taxed people, and they had the opportunity to add on extra taxes because whatever they tacked on became their profit. And so they were just known as thieves. They were like the dirtiest people in your community because they were always, um, you know, screwing with your money and taking from you. And so here this Zacchaeus comes to listen to Jesus, and he's a short guy, and he climbs up a tree to listen. And Jesus says, hey, you, I want to come down and spend some time with you at your house today. And the people around says, oh, man, no way. Does Jesus know who this is? He would never want to step foot in this man's house. But what Jesus knew is something the people didn't know, that this man's heart had been transformed. Because here's what happened. Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. Salvation had come. This man had become born again. And the result was that immediately he became generous. 
that so much that he gave half his possessions to the poor. He didn't tithe. He gave way beyond it. So I'm going to give half of this stuff to the poor. And those people I cheated out, I'm going to go back and make restitution. In fact, I'm going to pay them four times the amount of what I took from them. What would cause a person to do that? Well, it's a person whose life has been invaded by Jesus. They become generous. We see that all through the book of Acts. Now, here's what I want you to know about giving. Generosity is a good thing as long as it's an acceptable gift because not every gift is an acceptable gift. We find that in the very beginning, the first gifts ever given. It's found in the book of Genesis chapter 4. It says, In the course of time, Cain, one of the sons of Adam and Eve, brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel, his brother, also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Abel gave a gift. And the book of Hebrews explains maybe in a little more detail that Abel's gift uh, was a better offering. Better offering. Now, what made his better? Well, think about it. These two guys both give gifts. But for Cain, it was some of the fruit of the soil. So it's as if he had this big harvest of of produce, and after he looked at it all, he goes, you know what? (laughs) I'm going to give this to the Lord. Okay, I can afford to give this. And he gives some of the produce to the Lord. But, But here's what Abel did. Abel took the firstborn. Now, we don't know if he had several in his flock, it could be that this was the only one at the moment, the only baby at the moment. Takes that, that animal. How do you get the fat? Well, he slaughters the animal. He kills the animal. Offers the fat. Now, you know when you grill, fat can smell pretty good on the grill. And it's a displeasing aroma. But, but what pleased the Lord was this. It was a sacrifice. See, for... What Cain gave was a convenient offering. I can afford to give this, you know, some of what I have. That's, that's good. But, but for Abel, it was, this is going to cost me something. But the Lord is worth it. And God says, I love that sacrifice. See, some gifts are more acceptable than others. Not every gift is like that. Now, when I talk about the word acceptable, in our culture, that, that word has a downgraded meaning because if you are getting reviewed at your job, and one of those little boxes you could check was um, acceptable work. I'll bet that you would not be the first person to get a raise or a promotion. Because acceptable often in our culture means barely passing. It's tolerable. It's acceptable. So uh, if your wife came to you and says, hey, honey, how do you like this new dress I'm wearing? And you said, huh, that looks acceptable. (laughs) You're eating pot pies from the microwave for dinner. Okay, I'm just telling you. It's not what she wants to hear. Acceptable is not a good answer in our culture. But in the Bible, acceptable is, is much greater than that. It means it's like the perfect thing. David, in the book of Psalms, says, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you. Not barely passing, but beautiful to you, pleasing to you. And so this, this word in the Bible, when we talk about an acceptable sacrifice, it's desirable, it's pleasing. And acceptable gifts please God and touch his heart. And just a few uh, chapters later in, in Genesis, we find this in the story of Noah. Noah had just come back from uh, the flood. The great flood, had the water had subsided, and, and he's settling down in his land. And here's what he did. Noah built an altar to the Lord, and taking some of all the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma. 
What did Noah do? Much like Abel, offered a sacrifice, and it was pleasing. Not that God necessarily loves the smell of, of, of things on the grill. It's just that God, God loves the fact that we would sacrifice something that he'd given to say, I honor you. So Noah did that. That was a pleasing, acceptable sacrifice. So when you give, do you give like somebody making an automatic payment to a utility company, kind of a mindless institution there, or are you like a child giving popcorn to the father? I want, I, want to, I, want, I want to see you smile when I give. See, we, we have to think about who we actually are giving to. Who are, are we giving to please? I think there are three levels. We sort of progress through time as we mature in those three levels. Number one is we give to please ourselves. I mean, there's a man in our church who's told me on a number of times he loves to give because it feels good. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. Didn't Jesus himself say it is more blessed to do what? To give than to receive. So that word blessed means it feels good. It's, it's nice to do. I like when I give because it feels good to give. There's nothing wrong with that. Giving should feel good because it's a, a good thing. When, when people pick up those shoe boxes on Sunday and walk out the door, I look at their faces and it's like they're thrilled. Like, oh, I get to go fill a shoe box for kids. So exciting. You know, my wife came back from the store the other day she likes to shop. I'm not a big shopper. She likes to shop. And, and at this time of year, she, she likes to shop for Christmas. So she came in and says, oh, you got to see what I got for our grandson. And, and I'm not going to tell you what it's got, but she got this thing, and it does this, and it makes these sounds, and does all these things. And she was all giddy about, oh, I can't wait to see his reaction when he gets the thing. And, you know, she loves to give. She takes joy in giving. I have to be, be honest. I've not even thought about Christmas shopping yet. I'm still getting through Halloween, Okay. So, so some people love to give, and that's okay. That's a, a very good thing. But here's the danger. And Jesus spoke of this in the Sermon on the, on the Mount with these guys called the Pharisees. If, if the only reason we give is to feel good and, and to see the results of what happens to us and how people react, then it can be a very destructive thing. He says, when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues or on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. See, when you give to someone, the goal isn't to, 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 for them to say, man, you're an awesome giver. You're so generous. Several years ago when we were raising money for this building right here, someone um, suggested to me that we ought to have a, a tree on the wall of the old foyer. And on that tree, we should put the names of people who contribute to the building. And you could, you could have like a gold leaf for people who give like $10,000 or more. And you could have a, a silver leaf for those who give $5,000 or more. And maybe a bronze leaf for those who give $1,000 or more. And you know, honestly, that just repulsed me. The thought of putting a name out on display to say, look what I gave. I'm, I'm, there's some buildings that do that. There's some institutions that do that. I've been in this city at some places where the big bricks are for the big givers and the little bricks are for the little givers. And of course, if you want your name on a brick, you want it to be a big brick because people walk by and say, wow, what an awesome person that is. They gave so generously to this institution. And Jesus said, if that's your motivation, that's all you're going to get as a reward. The gratitude and the honor of man, but your heavenly Father won't honor you for it. Give in a way that doesn't draw attention to you. Now, whether it's secret or not isn't the point as much as who are you giving to? Are you giving for yourself it does feel good to give, but there's a higher purpose. It's level two. It's giving to please others. When we give to put a smile on someone else's face, that, that does both. That makes 
us feel good as well as them feel good. That's what I love about Halloween. When I was a little kid, now I know some people have issues with Halloween. I'm okay with that. I know it was, it's a pagan holiday, just like Christmas and Easter, but um, that didn't, it didn't have the spooky meanings for me as a kid. It just, like, just like Christmas doesn't have the pagan uh, stories. So, so I, we've kind of converted that and use it as a time to, to leverage good things. So we would, we would dress up in costumes, not scary ones, but just go to door to door. And honestly, as a kid, we didn't get much candy in my house. So this was the day to stock up. <laughs> and we didn't have those cute little plastic pumpkins with black handles. We had empty ice cream buckets. And we would go door to door, and we would fill that bucket. And we would go home and dump it in our bedroom drawer, and that candy would last us, yeah, at least a couple weeks. I mean, it would just, we just gobbled that stuff up. I was a sugar-starved kid. And, uh, and it just, just craved that. But I love when we'd go to people's homes and ring the doorbell and say, trick-or-treat. And, you know, some old lady or man would come to the door and, and with a smile on their face, hold out a basket. You kids look so cute. And, you know, here, take some candy. And I could see that, that they're having fun giving, but I'm having fun receiving. And that's the way it works. When, when you give and someone else receives and they smile, it feels good. It's like if you're giving a Christmas shoebox this year, and many of you are doing that. If you could actually deliver it to one of the kids, it would, it would be amazing. I mean, it, it, the, those kids are thrilled to get these shoe boxes. but if you could actually hand a box to one of these kids who get no other Christmas gifts than this shoe box, and that little kid opens a box, and you see like, oh, I can't believe it. You know, they're, they're all excited with these little things you stuck in the box. You would feel such joy, a joy that often is missed in our culture because we are so saturated with generosity. I mean, some of us, honestly, at Christmas, you give something to someone, they go, Oh, another computer toy. Hmm. And they kind of, you know, they're not that excited about it. But to see the response of someone who appreciates what you give makes them feel good and makes us feel good. But then there's another level of giving that goes, and I think this is the most mature giving level. It's pleasing God. Bill Bright, who founded Campus Crusade, said, when God gives, we receive. When we give, God receives. That we are pleased with what God gives to us. God is pleased with what we give to him. Now, you might um, not think that God's that concerned about, you know, the, the things we give to. Like, like, he's got bigger issues to worry about, right? Planets going around the solar system, keeping them in line. That's a bigger issue that God's got to be concerned about. Presidents. You know, who's going to be in office and who's going to be demoted? Kings, all those. God's got big things on his agenda. I mean, all the prayers of people all over the world, those are big things that God has to focus on. Why would he be that concerned with whether I'm given to this cause or that cause or a collection at the church on Sunday? Does he really care? Well, I want to share with you, I think he cares more than we realize. In fact, the reason I know that is because there's a memorable story in the Gospel of Luke. And I want to read this story. It's a little short story, but it's very powerful. It's found in Luke chapter 21. It says, as Jesus looked up, now he's in the temple, and the temple was a place where people came to worship in those days, and there were different courtyards, and in this courtyard where the women could go in, there were, there were these boxes. People didn't, didn't put offerings in offering baskets like we do. They had boxes, and they would drop their offering in it. So Jesus looked up. He saw the rich, rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. 
So, so Jesus, just this one day, just kind of positions himself in the temple courtyard, and he's just kind of watching as people come by the offering. It's sort of like you'd sit in the mall in one of those chairs and just watch people go by. He's watching people, and he sees the rich people come up, sees what they give in. And he must be close enough because he's watching this woman put in these very two small copper coins. Now, some of your Bibles call them mites. And when you think of dust mites, they're small. These are small. These are, these are coins probably smaller than your fingertips. Two small copper coins value, get this, at about a penny. And Jesus noticed that. Here's what this story tells me. Number one, Jesus sees when we give. You may think that, that he's, he's, he's wrapped up in all these other things, that when the offering's passed or all this. Jesus is oblivious to it. I, I think not. I think Jesus actually is saying, hey, I entrusted you with my stuff. I want to see what you're doing with it. So he cares about it. He cares when we give. He cares about what we give. He, he watched the rich people give, and he says, that, you know, they're doing a nice job, but man, that woman, that was amazing. See, she gave, she gave the smallest gift, but she made the greatest statement. Her gift was tiny, but her, her love for God was huge. And so this woman was very powerful in what she gave. Jesus noticed what they gave. And for the rich people, it was, it was easy. For this widow, it was a sacrifice. And then he noticed why they gave. See, why would a woman give all she had to live on unless she's saying, God, because I'm trusting completely in you? Her motives were pure. And so she was rich toward God. She was pleasing. So how do we give in our culture in a way that's pleasing to God? Jesus told many parables about an owner who gave um, resources, gave part of his property to individuals, and they were entrusted to manage it for him. Sometimes you, you've heard the stories of someone who's given one amount and some a less amount, some a smaller amount, and the owner would come back and say, how did you do with what I'd given you? Well, that's, that's a term we call stewardship. Stewardship is a management of someone else's resources. Now, I love how, how one child explains stewardship. A ship. A ship that's sailing, and you're the captain of the ship, and the ship is carrying cargo that's been given by somebody else, and your job as a captain of that ship is to deliver those resources to the proper destinations. So think of that. You and I have a ship filled with resources God has given us. They're not ours. They're His. But our job is to to help decide where should those things go. I want to make sure they get delivered to the right places. And in doing so, we please our master. So how do we do that in our lives? Here's here's what's so important, and, and I want you to get this. It matters who you give to. It matters who you give. It's not just that you're a giver, but who you give to. And why this is so important is because of things like this. There's a big charity called the Kids Wish Network. It raises millions of dollars for dying children and their families. You know how much money out of the millions of dollars they've raised that actually goes to kids who are dying and their families? Three cents on the dollar. Where's all the rest of the money go? Well, it goes to those who've developed the, the foundation and the institutions they hire to go raise the money. And see, not everything that sounds good is good. In fact, let me read you some of the names of the top scam chariots. Charities. Why do I say chariots? Charities. Okay, listen to some of the names. The Cancer Fund of America. The International Union of Police Association. 
Breast Cancer Relief Foundation, Children's Cancer Recovery Foundation. They don't sound like bad things, do they? In fact, if you got a request, you go, man, that's, I, I believe we ought to deal with that issue. Kids' cancer, man, I want to give to that. Uh, breast cancer, man, we've got to fight that. And so you just give unwittingly, giving to people with unorthodox ethics. And so we have to be very discerning because if Satan can do one of two things to us, if he, if he can't keep you tight-fisted with what God's given, here's what he'll do. He'll, he'll make you careless about what he's given. And he'll direct you to, to give to places that will squander God's resources. Places where you're fueling bad things. And so it matters where you give. And so I've wrestled with this this week. I've wrestled with it. God, so of all the requests we get, we get a lot of requests. I, I get a lot of requests of, of letters and fundraising appeals and kids knocking on the door and, and friends in ministry. And I've got to decide, okay, what can we give to? We can't give to everything. And how do we decide what to give to and what not to give to? I've come up with a very simple explanation. I think this is a, a really a very beautiful way to consider who you should give to. Because if you want to give in a way that delights God's heart, then give to the things that delight his heart. If you want the giving to delight his heart, then give to the things that delight his heart. Now, it sounds simplistic, but it, it really helps you filter through the, the mass appeals because what things delight God's heart? Well, I can tell you for sure when a sinner repents, God's rejoicing. I can absolutely tell you that's for sure. I think God's heart rejoices when we allow little children a clear pathway to come to the Lord. I believe God delights when we help the, um, the people who are poor and single and struggling, the widows and the orphans, that we're pleasing the heart of God. I believe God is blessed when he watches us put marriages and families back together. I, I, we host an event like Night to Shine that are, that are loving on people with disabilities. I, I see the Father smiling upon us. When we send out missionaries to other countries, I see the Lord saying, way to go, way to go. That's a good thing. I love that. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 25, this big parable called the sheep and the goats. He says things like this, that, that when you give to uh, feed the poor and clothe the naked and visit the ones in prison and comfort the sick and welcome the stranger in. He says, when, when you, ever you've done any of these things for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you've done it to me. So I feel pretty confident that if I'm giving to ministries that are helping to do those things, visiting prisons, caring for the poor, feeding those, clothing, it must be a good thing. It must be bringing joy to our Father. Give to the things that de- delight the heart of God. The other day, a family of, of ours in this church was visiting one of their favorite restaurants, a place you might have heard of called Chick-fil-A. And uh, they went to Chick-fil-A up of Powers, and the manager walked over, and, and they've developed a relationship with the manager, so where the manager said, hey, how are you guys doing today? And they said, well, today's kind of a sad day because a very good friend of ours has gone home to be with the Lord. And this was just a couple weeks ago when Kelly Barlow um, passed away. And the manager says, oh, my, is there something I can do for you? And they said, no, uh, just pray for the family. Um, this is kind of a tough time for them. Well, the manager left and returned a few minutes later and says, hey, do you know what I'd like to do? I'd like to provide some food because surely a bunch of relatives are going to come into town. And so this manager provided a big tray of chicken, big, big platter of, of fruit, and a platter of cookies. And I believe that our Heavenly Father said, way to go. Way to go. You gave to someone in need. You know, when you support missionaries who are going out on the field, 
It puts a smile on our Father's face. In fact, one of the first and greatest missionaries that's ever lived is the Apostle Paul. And in Philippians chapter 4, Paul describes the giving of that church to support him in his missionary journeys. And here's what he says to the church in Philippi. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. You think they're giving? Does Paul put a smile on God's face? Absolutely. Absolutely. Giving generously to the things that delight God's heart is really what our giving should be about. In fact, next week you're going to receive our church budget for 2017. And I believe that it's, it's up to each one of us to say, God, I'm going to investigate those that I give to you. And that's what I love about the local church. You get to see week in and week out. You get to look behind the scenes. Are kids being reached? Are people getting baptized? Are the poor getting fed? Are people getting counseled? Are marriages being put back together? Are missionaries being sent out? That's the kind of church I want to give to. And you have a responsibility to investigate that. If this is a church that's not doing those things, you ought to go find a church that is. Because we want to make sure the gifts that we give to God are being, are being honored by God and being blessed by God. And that kind of giving comes from a special place. It comes from Jesus. And Jesus lives in our lives. You know what Jesus did for us? Listen to what the book of Ephesians says, chapter 5. Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Jesus said, Father, here I am. I'm willing to be put on a cross. I'm willing to sacrifice my whole life to bring pleasure to you because it's going to bring pleasure to all the people who respond to your love. And you and I are the recipients of that. You and I, when we give our lives to Jesus Christ, have the joy of his generosity. And so when that takes root in your life, you can't help but want to be a generous person to others. I mean, this is far bigger than just giving an offering or or providing a Thanksgiving basket or a shoebox. It really is about just giving us to God, giving ourselves back to him. Because he doesn't want a piece of us. He doesn't want 10% of us. He wants all of us. And I want to ask you this. Is there anything greater that you can give to our Heavenly Father than all of you? Can you give him anything more than just saying, Jesus, here I am? I mean, once you do that, God works through all the details of your life.